guys. This is Beth. And this is Jeff. And this is your Enneagram Coach, the podcast, where we're here to help you to understand yourself with astonishing clarity so that you can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. Well, welcome back, everyone. We have been so thankful for your encouragement and enthusiasm about some of the resources that we've been able to bring uh, as a couple, and that's very dear to our hearts. So thank you for leaving a review. Thank you for rating uh, the podcast. Thank it you really, for sharing. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for sharing. It really has uh, meant a ton to us, and we're just we're thankful that it's helpful to you. Well, we're about to embark on a new series, and we're going to do something that's kind of new as it relates to the Enneagram, and that is we're going to talk about something called internal family systems and how it relates to our application of the Enneagram in coaching. Now, this comes from our personal story, and so this has happened over a number of years as we've developed our own practice of uh, leading our own hearts, shepherding our own hearts. And so what we've done is we've put together a series of four podcasts now. Uh, this first one, we're going to be talking with Allison Cook, uh, co-author of the book Boundaries for Your Soul. And then we're going to talk through the nine types and, and application of this internal family systems. Mm-hmm. That's part two. And then we're going to follow up with episodes three and four, where we're literally going to apply this uh, with our uh, um, exercise that we've created called AWARE, and we're going to apply it for each type. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that AWARE is an acrostic, which makes it super uh, easy for us to remember. Um, after we listen and learn from the podcast. And so this is really one of the fullest expressions of what we've hoped for in this, in our podcast is that to take the information of the Enneagram and move it from observation to application, to move it from simply more data about who you are to actually, what do I do with this content? Well, internal family systems gives a some direction and some clarity, some categories to know how do my wings function for me? Um, How do my uh, stress and growth path, how do they all function for me? And what does it look like for me to lead uh, my interior world, to shepherd my own soul and apply the truth of the gospel so that I can align myself with what God is doing through His Spirit in my life? Yeah, this is not about just knowing more about yourself. Mm. This is knowing more about ourselves so that we can align ourselves with what God has called us to be, which is more like Christ. So in the same way that we you know, featured our first episode regarding um, the pandemic and how each type was responding, then we dove into parenting, uh, just got through, finished up with finances. We hope this next one's going to help you to learn what does it look like for you to shepherd your own soul uh, during stressful times. All right. Let's dive in. So we have the awesome privilege of having uh, someone that we have come to respect and have learned so much from, uh, Dr. Allison Cook, who is uh, has co-authored a book that has become a standard for us. Yes. Like it's on the... We will continue the read for the rest of our life over shelf and over, again. over and over again. <laughs> and the book is called Boundaries for Your Soul, How to Turn Your Overwhelming Thoughts and Feelings into Your Greatest Allies. So, Allison, welcome. So we're so happy that you're with us. I am so happy to be here. I have been big fans of you guys for a long time. I have learned so much from you. I love the Enneagram and I'm so excited about this conversation today. Yes. So one of the fun things that uh, people don't have the 
the privilege to experience is that we've been talking about doing something together for a while yeah. and we keep geeking out and could talk <laughs> for days on yes. this topic. Yes. But um, we thought it would be great to bring in an expert to help clarify some of the essentials and basics of internal family systems. And then we're going to, in a very new way, kind of pioneer this new idea of how to integrate uh, these two modalities, the Enneagram and internal family systems. Now, I want to say this to all of those who are kind of the purest of both camps, <laughs> um, that we're experimenting. And mm-hmm. yet at the same time, it is very applicable. And IFS has been such a significant help for Beth and I. Yeah. And, you know, we'll talk about this, probably talked about it in the intro is for me as a nine, um, you know, having that internal fog and not knowing myself very well, this modality coupled with the Enneagram allowed me to nuance my heart in a much deeper and more profound way that I could literally talk to you about what's going on in such a way that we could navigate some of those hardest spots um, in, in ways that we didn't get tripped up as much or as quickly. And and so anyway, I just want to thank you, Allison, for writing the book, um, opening up my mind and my heart even further. Um, and then even before we hit record today, we were geeking out at <laughs> on it even further. And so like we have all these like great ideas and things that we want to take it. Um, and I know we will. So this is just the beginning. This is just uh, scratching the surface. I wish people could sit on like a whole day's worth of your teaching and are just kind of geeking out, but we'll get to that another time. So Allison, first, uh, tell us about your Enneagram type and about your life, okay. your family and those kind of things. Yeah. Well, you guys helped me a lot with that for the longest time. I thought I was an Enneagram too. Um, because a lot of my, as we get into the IFS, we'll talk more about the manager activities. A lot of my behaviors look very much in that helping, pleasing. Um, but through really taking a deep dive through your materials, through IFS, I've really blended the two, um, for a long time. And it's been so fun, as you guys say, to formally get to talk to the Enneagram experts with the IFS and, and really <laughs> try to get it. But, but really through taking a deep dive, realized I'm a three. At my core, it was sort of like the Wizard of Oz where you, you, you took back the veil and realized, oh, it's a three driving that <laughs> underneath yes. there. And the three figured out that those two strategies are the way to get. And it's all about the core motivations, as you guys talk about. Right. Um, so that's been an interesting journey for me. I am um, a psychologist. My specialty, I, I specialize in both faith, integrating faith with psychology. I have a degree in both psychology and religious studies. Um, my doctoral program was um, an integrated model. And so when I discovered IFS, I discovered IFS before the Enneagram. I was just thrilled because it's a spiritual approach um, to understanding yourself. And that was my mm-hmm. drive to psychology. I loved God, loved Jesus, been a Christian most of my life. I just didn't know my own self very well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was before um, the pioneering work of people such as yourself where we came to realize, oh, it is a relationship with me, with God and with me. And so I am a part of that relationship. God wants me to know myself as I enter into relationship with him. And so mm-hmm. IFS became this way that I could explore and understand and unpack the various aspects of myself in relationship to God. So that's a little bit about my background. What's interesting about boundaries for your soul is that you've incorporated language from all the cloud and towns and boundary stuff, but applied it to not relationships, but something that's happening inside of us. 
Yeah, that's what. So when my co-author Kim and I started really getting into the Christian adaptation of the internal family systems model, we realized it's a little bit like having boundaries internally, boundaries with those parts of us or even boundaries mm-hmm. with emotions. So one of the big things we talk about in the book when we're, when we're dealing with emotions is emotions are just, they're not good or bad. They just are. God made us to have emotions. Jesus had a full range of emotions, but we need to keep healthy boundaries around them. We need to have experience anger, sadness. All these emotions have a purpose, but we want to learn how to lead them in partnership with God. And part of that process is learning how to just as we parent children, we, we parent mm-hmm. these different parts of us by helping them find a healthy place, a healthy boundary place within our internal world. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. And actually, I use that terminology all the time of like parenting, you know, my, the different parts of me. And I know we'll get into that a little bit further, but I think it's such a great picture in our mind because a lot of times it feels like there's just chaos happening inside and it actually is unless we bring a healthier perspective, a parenting perspective to our parts and, and, and loving them well and nurturing them well so that they can actually come to the fullness of what they can offer us. We've been trying to figure out, um, how to, what metaphor, what right metaphor to use about how we, take care of our interior worlds. We've used the term to shepherd our hearts. Um, one that resonates with me is to coach. So, I mean, I, I was an athlete. And so uh, in the mornings during my times of devotion or quiet times, I might call it, I call it a team meeting because I'm bringing in all of who Christ is for me and applying it to these different parts of my heart that sometimes that are in line with one another and at other times might be leading me up all kinds of directions. Um, so coach has been a yeah. shepherding, pastoring, uh, parenting our hearts. I know in the uh, recovery world of ACA, it's about reparenting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever metaphor that you want to use mm-hmm. to help you to engage with what's happening internally, um, yeah, use it. So, yeah. you know, we're experimenting here, experiment, experiment with your own language. Sure. Um, because that, but the idea, the metaphor is going to help you in understanding how do I engage the way that really David was engaging in Psalm 139, uh, help me to know me, help me to understand what's happening inside of and me. And this isn't talking about be critical with yourself, shame yourself. That is the opposite of and what this we're is talking not navel gazing either. Yeah. This is not just looking inside just to... And that's why those terminology can be really helpful. Am I going to coach, mentor, guide, parent my internal world? And what will that look like? You know, even in IFS, uh, the, I think the one of the terms is self-leadership. It is, yeah. Yes. Well, let's like let's take a, a step back because a lot of people might be going, "What is IFS? <laughs> right. What are, what are we idea. even talking about?" So, like like I said, we could geek out on this all the time. Um, so, what can you just kind of lay the groundwork in telling us what IFS is and why it's so helpful? Yeah. So, to to your point about a metaphor, it's called internal family systems. And Richard Schwartz, who discovered it, he started out as a family therapist. And if you do family therapy, the goal in a healthy family is for every member of the family to find a role that works well for the good of each individual and the good of the whole. And that's harmony, right? Harmony isn't this, when you think of a an orchestra or a band that's harmonizing, there are lots of different parts to it. And when each part plays its part well, 
there's this really beautiful thing that occurs. And so he started applying that idea to our internal world, that there's this family of parts. He calls them parts. We're multifaceted. We're not one-dimensional. There's so many aspects of who we are. And it's a little tricky when we're talking about the soul, right? The internal life, because we can't see them. We can't see inside there. But there's all these parts that are, are a combination of our personality and our environment and how we were raised and the different ways God wired us. And he just tried to create a map to that internal family. And then at the center of it, he calls it the self. In our book, we call it the spirit-led self. It's that place inside where the Holy Spirit comes to live, where Christ lives within us that allows us to lead ourselves well. So as you say, you can call it what you want. We call it the spirit-led self, that place inside where we can lead these different facets of ourselves very well. Um, and then in the model, he, he describes three different categories of parts to kind of help us get a handle on what is it that goes on inside of me at any given moment. I think this is really important to kind of translate to how this applies to the Enneagram. So what the IFS world is calling parts, we are associating with numbers. And and this is why it's so, so helpful because a lot of the Enneagram conversation is descriptive. I am a six with a five or seven wing and I move towards a six or nine, but it's purely descriptive or three. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I moved to a three or nine. You you didn't see it, but the Enneagram Yoda next to me just corrected my uh, (laughs) description of my type. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, But uh, so, and some people will say like, well, I'm, I'm a six at home, but then whenever I go to work, I feel more like a nine. Right. Um, And so what IFS helped for Beth and I to articulate is not merely that I am this number with this wing and I move in these directions, but that these parts of us uh, have purpose. They have intent behind them and they serve in the totality of who I am as a person. So I'm way more than just a six. That's right. And this helps explain all of the variety of different parts and what they're trying to accomplish. Well, And what they're trying to accomplish ultimately comes back to the core motivations of your main type. And that's why it's always important to find your main type. But sometimes it's hard when a lot of these parts are highly activated in Mm -hmm. you. And so it's like you, Allison, am I a two or I'm a three? Like what's going on here? And so I just want to reassure people that it's very normal to be confused about what your main type is. And there's lots of layers to the Enneagram, more than what we're going to speak on today. But I think to recognize, oh, yeah, there is a lot going on inside that sometimes I have not been aware of till now to really take a good look at what's going on. And so finding your main type and seeing how these different parts are operating to help uh avoid the core fear and to get the core desire of your main type, the core motivations is really important. Yeah. To, to your point from that, from IFS language. So for me learning IFS first, I could then put the numbers and go, Oh, I have both a three part and a two part. Those are very genuine parts of me. The three is a little closer to home. It's the one driving. It's the one really with the deep seated motivations and it pulls in the two, but they're both very genuine parts of who I am, right? We're not yes. that that's it. And, it. and as a therapist, I found it so helpful because if someone comes in and I can start to get a sense of their Enneagram type, I can more quickly get a sense of, oh, there's that one part. 
I see mm-hmm. that part. Of, and, and we can start to work with how people can pull in other numbers, other parts of themselves. And it gives us a descriptive label for those parts much more quickly than without that tool. The two tools together, I have found just create exponential healing in tandem together. Absolutely. So this next step, why don't you define for us the categories, the big categories sure. of parts? Yeah. So, so in the IFS model, there are three categories um, of parts. And the first one, well, the first two are in the protective category. These are parts that protect us. Um, the first category is the manager parts. And these are the parts of us that want to prevent pain at all costs. They are the ones that show up in the world and get us to work and get us out of bed in the morning and they produce and they perform and they please. And these are the ones, if you read our book, that we mapped right onto those Enneagram numbers right there. They're perfecting, they're pleasing, they're achieving, they're controlling, they're, you know, they're doing, um, there's different ones that resonate with different types of people, right? So these are the parts of us that we show up with, we want the world to see. Um, the second category are called firefighters. These are the parts of us that flare up when there's been pain, when something has happened and they want to put out that flame, like firefighters, they want to put out those flames of pain. And these are the parts of us that can scare us, that we don't like, that um, are very impulsive. They can be the parts of us that reach for that bottle of wine that, you know, want to just hide under the covers all day. They want to numb us out. They want to avoid, they want to escape pain at all costs. And so these are our protective, those are the two protective categories. And what's underneath both is this most beautiful third category called exiles. And these are the vulnerable, tender parts of us that we want. They're called exiles because we want to push them away. We tend to be fearful of them. And this is where we harbor the vulnerable, the, the, the hurt, the pain, the sadness, the loneliness, the insecurities, the fear, the shame that everybody experiences. Everybody has these vulnerable feelings. And in a, in a healthy system, in the IFS model, in a healthy family, all three categories are important. We need at times when we're feeling sad, We need at times to still be able to show up at work. But the goal again is this idea of harmony. It's, it's, and it gets at this idea of boundaries for the soul. It gets at the idea of I can be with my sadness. I don't have to exile it. I can tend to it from that spirit led place within, honor it, witness it, get myself what I need and also set a healthy boundary on around it so that I can still go about the business of my day. I can, uh, firefighters, when they're healthy, show us instead of escaping or numbing out pain in unhealthy ways, can show us when we need comfort, when we need rest, when we need. So, so these three different categories of parts can really work together as we become more whole and we're leading ourselves. We begin to notice when we're, we're being extreme in any of our protective categories, that's a cue. Oh, there's some pain underneath there. There's some vulnerability that I need to pay attention to. And what I love about this model is it it very much reminds me of the gospels. And if you think about how Jesus was with people when he walked the earth, the people that he pulled in were the, the ones that were hurting, the ones that were struggling, the ones, those were the people he pulled in. And it's the way we need to 
live out the gospel with our own selves. We need, we, we need to not be, you know, when we're feeling fearful, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling self-doubt, instead of shoving that aside by working harder, we want to pull that in and show ourselves that compassion and that tenderness. And so it's all about really learning how to navigate these different aspects of who we are. So I, what I'd like to do is give a couple of examples. I'm going to share mine first, and then Beth can share hers. And we're just going to talk about our main type and our two wings using these categories because it, it it changes how you see your number and wings. So I'm a type six, and one of the vulnerable aspects of my heart uh, is when I start to experience loneliness and need. And as a six, I'm trying to secure for me relationships, knowledge, all kinds of things to not feel alone and not feel need. So what happens, though, whenever I start to feel that desire, that longing or or feeling, I use either a five or a seven in particular ways. So as a, the five part shows up, I start as a manager, as a manager, mm-hmm. I start ordering Amazon books. I, love it. <laughs> I have about 3000 volumes in my library yeah. and my wife knows that something's up yes. when Amazon starts showing up every day. And the reason why I'm still, I'm not a five, but there's a five part of me that wants to research and understand the world because I'm scared to enter into it. Yeah. It bring, And it brings the six security. It, it brings it me security. Yeah. Even if I don't read the book, I still feel secure just having the book available. Yeah. But I will say it also serves a noble purpose because oftentimes I'm the one who's bringing ideas together for uh, our Enneagram work or whether it be for the church. So it serves both managerially in managing the anxiety, and it can also be a gift that I bring uh, to all of my relationships. Right. So it's a both and. Now, the seven part is when I'm not about reading, but man, I would love to go to Taco Bell. Taco Bell is just... <laughs> If I'm eating it, Beth has even <laughs> caught me on iPhone Finder when I I'm did. at Taco Bell. It was Bell. so funny. Okay, so this is hilarious. So I was in St. Louis visiting my brother, and I just thought, I wonder what Jeff's up to. And so I look, and on the iPhone it's Finder, the he was in the drive-through of the Taco Bell where we were living, and I texted him like, "Hey, what's up? What are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, I'm a." He's joking. He's like, "I'm at Blockbuster." And I'm like, oh, really? So why is the green dot going through the drive-thru <laughs> at Taco Bell? You know, and, and we just had a good play on it. But yeah, I mean, that's kind so of your go-to. There, the seven part of me shows up yeah. where I'm going to the new experience, the new sensation. I'm going to try to fill yes. what I the loneliness up. But that seven part can serve a noble purpose because I can be, despite my sixness, I can be much more adventuresome yeah. and take more risk out of courage. So that's how for six, how mm-hmm. five and seven can serve as manager, firefighter, and those different things. Yeah, and those and those are just two of the many that's right. parts. Um yeah. So for me as a nine, um, kind of going in a little bit deeper to pull out the exile, I call her Bethy. 
And Bethy is, you know, the little girl inside me who has a lot of fear and maybe like my presence doesn't matter and don't show up in the world. Don't assert yourself. Um, because if you do, you're going to create conflict with others. And that's my greatest fear or upset people or not be good enough. And so I'll use actually my six is usually the first one I use. Um, and my six shows up in thinking through all the ways that people could be dissatisfied, upset, what could go wrong. And so it's much more relational because I'm a nine first and foremost than maybe how a six would use the, um, worst case worst case thinking. Um, I'm thinking of it in terms of how can I secure peace and harmony, but my mind is racing and I'm trying to make sure everything is going to be okay. Um, and so for me, that is a form that I use. Um, and then for me, what I find as a firefighter, which is really interesting is my eight, my eight wing. So what usually happens is if I am sad and vulnerable and disappointed, remember the exile, my nine part says you shouldn't have emotions. You shouldn't show up. You need to go along to get along. But I am hurt. I am sad. I am disappointed. And it's bubbling up. My eight comes in with a strong exterior and wants to push people away so that I'm not vulnerable, that that I'm not going to be harmed by having these emotions. Now, usually that only comes out in the family. Um, but that part... I am very familiar with your eight part. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Nobody else is. Well, except for the kids. But that part is feels so tender and vulnerable that I'm afraid you're going to be upset with me. But if you get upset with me, oh, well, then I'm going to have this protective shield, right? But ultimately, if I've harmed you with this kind of aggressive... And of course, it's you guys always laugh at me like, it's really not that aggressive, Beth. For me, it feels like it. But when I push or I'm stubborn or resistant and you get frustrated with that, then my one part tries to manage this by saying, you're bad. You're doing a bad thing, Beth. And when that shame cycle comes in, I usually go to another firefighter, which um, is, I think, it, well, it's it's the quitter. It's my defensive mechanism as a nine narcotization. And I literally shut down and want to just hide. Um, and ultimately, for the nine, it, it, people can't budge a nine when they're in that mode because we're highly resistant and stubborn in that shutdown, withdrawn mode. And that's when it really harms you. So, Allison, let's talk go a little bit further. So, hopefully, um, our audience has a little bit of a clearer understanding of uh, each of these parts. And so, let's just go one by one. Um, let's just talk about exiles for a few minutes and maybe give some examples of what exiles look like and where they show up. We'll be back after a quick break. Moms, it's here. Registration is open for Enneagram for Moms cohort. Yes, from May 6th to May 13th, you can grab your spot to be in one of the cohorts with moms of the same Enneagram type, plus with a certified Enneagram coach leading the way. Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing to be with like-minded moms who really understand what it's like to be on your journey as a mom from your type? Yes, it will feel so validating, reassuring, affirming, encouraging. You don't have to mom alone anymore. Go to yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts to grab your spot today because there's only 25 spots available for each cohort. Now we have a cohort for all nine types in the daytime and one in the evening, but when the spots are filled up, they're gone. 
So grab your spot today at yourenneagramcoach.com forward slash cohorts. The groups start the week of June 10th and go until the week of July 29th. There are 90 minute sessions and there's eight of them. Plus you'll get a free Facebook group community where you can continue the conversation with one another. Join today. Yeah, so the the main exiles that, you know, most, they're universal and most people feel most of these, but some show up more for each type. Um, shame, fear, insecurity, worthlessness, feeling unseen, loneliness, sadness. Um, these are some of the feelings. And as you guys are just doing such a good job of describing, it is so key, regardless of your number, regardless of your primary type, to really come into contact with that vulnerability, to, to understand it, to notice what numbers you're pulling in. And because that's where we get into leadership and partnership with God. That's where we get into, oh, I can go to a healthier way of caring for this part of me. So, you know, as we kind of think about different numbers, if you're a one, one of the vulnerable feelings you might be inclined toward might be, I'm bad, as you were saying, Beth. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. just bad. Um, if you're a two, one of the vulnerabilities you might feel, you know, you might not like it, you might have exiled it, but really underneath there's this, I am, I am rejected. I am unlovable. Mm-hmm. As a three, I am a failure. I'm worthless. You know, I'm a nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a four, I'm defective. I don't belong. I'm misunderstood, right? They're, these loosely map onto the yes. different numbers. We could keep going down the list if you want. Um, yeah, let's yeah, just yeah, keep going. Beth <laughs> and I, kind of, this is one of the areas where we both were just going to town on, you know, the five, you know, I'm, I'm incapable. I'm, I'm, I'm depleted. I'm unknowledgeable. Um, the six, helpless, unsafe, alone. The seven, I'm trapped, limited, deprived. The eight, I'm vulnerable. That's just so hard for an eight mm-hmm. to even come into contact with. I am vulnerable. Yeah. I'm powerless. I'm unprotected. I can just feel the energy of that eight having to make connect to that, right? The nine, I'm overlooked, unseen. My presence does not matter. So these are some of the ways those exiles show up for each of the different numbers. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more. Oftentimes we have narrative and story around these exiled parts. Yes. And tell me about how we develop these exiled parts or how our story impacts our understanding of these exiles. Well, a lot of the exiles come into being and, and learn, pick up their narrative. In IFS language, they call it pick up burdens in childhood and mm-hmm. childhood messages, right? Messages we received or the ways that we interpreted, um, you know, so a young three doesn't get the grade they want and maybe gets a message of I'm a failure. And it, it, these come in very young and these parts of us pick up these burdens that maybe even as adults, we kind of know it's not true logically with our rational brains. We're, we're like, I, I kind of know that's not true, but it's a felt experience so deep inside. 
Um, yes. And this is the process of healing is, is of, as we connect to these exiled parts of us that picked up these burdens, we can receive healing. We can unburden them. We can release these messages. We can reframe the narrative for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Beth, one of your favorite sleeping at last songs mm-hmm. was the type eight. Yeah. And, and what was it about the type eight as it relates to exiles that was so provocative? Yeah. Well, like when, so, so Ryan O'Neill, who actually has the song at the beginning and the end of this podcast, um, developed a song for each of the types, just kind of let everyone know. Uh, so when the type eight was released, thankfully I was sitting alone <laughs> listening to this because I was profoundly moving. Yeah. I mean, I felt like the exile part wanted to burst forth and to, to be that strong, courageous person that I actually know is in there. Um, but the nine feels so unsure and my presence doesn't matter. And, and so there's these, because I have a very strong eight wing. And so there's these two parts and eight just happened to be the song that came out first. And then nine came out and I wept at that one too. Um, but it, it hits such a deep chord of vulnerability and strength and wanting to be seen and recognized and yet not feeling like I am. You know, when we talk about, um, you know, Enneagram numbers and that what some teachers call the wounding childhood message, we call it the interpreted childhood message yeah. because from my experience and working with people, this is a hard wiring that you as a nine have this hard wiring to think, Oh, my parents did such and such. My presence doesn't matter. Like we interpret absolutely. it that way. I, I absolutely agree. It can be both. It can be, there are situations where the message we received from the external world can map onto what we're also hard. Oh yeah. It can be direct. Absolutely. They could literally say it but to I, you. Yeah. I totally mm-hmm. agree with you that because I can look at my own childhood or I'll, I'll think of my clients where it, it maps onto the hardwiring of the person, how they interpret the hard, painful thing that happened. We talk about big T traumas. We talk about little T traumas. You know, yes. it, can, it doesn't, it can be the most terrific things and those messages stick. And it can be these really little T. I tell the story in the book of not making a basketball team. I worked for months and months and months. I was in middle school. I so wanted to be on that team and I worked so hard and I, I wasn't even on the list at all. And it just crushed me. And a part of me picked up that burden. I'm a failure. I don't matter. And, you know, I, rationally all day long, I can say, but that's just, it was the way I had, you know, I had to go yeah. back to that part of me and unburden that message and receive. So again, that that's, that's a, a small thing, but we still, as you're saying, we, we, we are creating as children, we, we are creating these narratives. We are interpreting data all the time. And so as adults, we have to go back. We have to reclaim. We have to connect to those parts of us, which is why I use the analogy of Jesus bringing in those wounded parts of us and unburdening them and setting them free. Yes. So there's this great line in um, uh, the Sleeping at Last song on the Type 8. And he writes this, I remember the minute it was like a switch was flipped. I was a kid who grew up strong enough to pick up this armor and suddenly it fit. God, that was so long ago, long ago, long ago. I was little. I was weak and perfectly naive and I grew up too quick. That's right. 
Yeah. Where this, this moment where this natural ability of the eight to put on the armor, but behind the armor is an exile Mm -hmm. that feels very young, feels innocent, very vulnerable, very innocent, very vulnerable. And that then to develop throughout your story and relationships, these resources to protect that, that exile, Mm -hmm. um, to not have to revisit that vulnerable moment again. Yeah. I would say the, the bolder, the armor, the more tender, the heart, you know, that's, Mm. that's the the more we're protecting ourselves with these managers, the more that exile is so in need of our love and connection. I mean, that's fascinating, but think about that for spouses and friends and coworkers. When you're the person you're in a relationship is, is most like their type may be a sign that per, underneath that is fear, yeah. I mean, vulnerability, I know anxiety. that a lot of people will say to me all the time, like, wow, you're so peaceable. I just love being around you. Are you like, are you feeling that peaceable all the time? I'm like, heck no. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, there's an internal <laughs> chaos happening inside. No, I mean, not all the time, but I think what we do put off is not necessarily what is going on in our, in the inside. And that's a way that, again, we manage ourselves right. to the external world. I mean, that's just right. think about it, just that principle and kind of walking the wheel in my head. If a one is becoming more critical, there may be an exile at play internally. If a two is becoming more helpful, if a three is more bragging, if a four is more more self-consumed, if a five is more retractive, if a six is more... I mean, you... Yeah, that's right. If any type is more of, there's an exile at play behind that's it. That's right. That's exactly right. That's your cue. And whether it's yourself, if you can gain in the self-awareness to go, oh, I can't stop myself from blank. There, there's something going on inside of me. Or seeing it in a spouse. So, oh, you know, just what you said with the, yes. ordering the books on Amazon. Okay, there's something extreme going on there. There's a cue. And the more you grow in befriending, welcoming those exiles, the more, you know, the more they, they aren't as scary. They aren't as, you know, we, we can care for them. Yes. So absolutely. Well, and I think, you know, cause we were just talking before we got on this podcast, how we went through something really sad in the last couple of days that we lost an opportunity that looked really, you know, amazing. And I'm grieving. Um, and my eight, like I said earlier, shows up and wants to kind of push everyone aside and kind of deal with it myself, that strong exterior. But really what's going on the inside is I am super sad and I'm really hurt, but I'm too afraid to be vulnerable. Um, and so I think like this can be really helpful. I know Jeff and I, we've worked through this. And so he knows. We've paid a lot of money to therapists. <laughs> why, why this happens. But he knows that when that part shows up, though it comes towards him in a way that I'm sure he doesn't enjoy, he also now can go, oh, this is a signal yep. that she is hurting. Well, and then the most profound part of what I think IFS and why it's helpful is that her parts activate my parts. <laughs> of course. So, yes. <laughs> so all of a sudden we're both reacting to one another, right. feeling threatened. And then we can get spun out and, and do our totally dance. Totally miss each other versus But now being we know present. what the dance is. And that's why this is so helpful. And I love your book and how it allows us to name these parts, like you said, to befriend them, to be aware. And then, like we've said, to coach them, to parent them, to lead them. 
So, Allison, um, the next part that we want to talk about are the managers. So we've talked about exiles, these vulnerable parts of us. Let's talk about how we manage the anxiety of the exiles for each of the types. Yeah. So the managers show up again. These are the ways that we want to show up in the world. And they are they can relate to your primary number. They can relate to your wing. Um, so I'm going to give you some examples from each of the numbers. In our book, we kind of went through, uh, we didn't actually tie them to the numbers But you'll see as I'm going along, they very easily do. So your way of managing might be perfecting, might be criticizing, might be might be trying to always improve things to a higher standard. And that might be your relationship to a one. As a two, it might be pleasing, helping, caretaking. As a three, achieving, producing, performing. As a four, it might be um, creating, expressing, um, expressing. As a five, it might be um, analyzing, intellectualizing, thinking. Sixes, creating safety, creating structures, creating systems. You know, you're kind of getting the idea. Sevens, I always think of the, if you've seen the Pixar movie Inside Out, the character of joy. Just that's our way of getting through, right? We're going to just make everything happy and positive. The eights, controlling, you know, taking charge. It can look like controlling or being demanding. And then the nine, mediating peacemaking again a good thing but when it gets extreme that vulnerability gets lost underneath it so these are some example of managers and they as how they tie to each number Mm, so good and now and if we could focus just a little bit more because it it's key to understand parts have positive intent Mm -hmm. it's it's going to be very quick for christians to assume that okay wait a minute I thought these are part of my personality or these were sinful strategies and we immediately move to the negative versus positive. Or I need to be a different number. I shouldn't be, you know, like I can see a one going, oh, well, then I shouldn't see the imperfections of the world and want to bring something better. You know, I mean, like we all do this with all of our personalities because we can see the less healthy parts of ourselves, but we also need to see how we are image bearers of God, how he has given us attributes within ourselves to reflect him in a really beautiful way. So in IFS terms, it's called positive intent. So tell us more about positive intent. And then I think the words you've used when they become extreme. Yes. Yeah. So all parts are welcome. That's how we, in IFS language, we look at it. All parts are welcome and all parts are part of the Imago Dei, part of our created self, right? And this is where the Enneagram helps. It's part of our design, but we all go astray. We all take on strategies that aren't super helpful at times and they manifest differently with different numbers. So these managers, all of them have this, you know, ones bring this excellence, this, this way of, um, just creating change and looking for the good goodness right into the world. And they can also, there's a downside to that, which is what I love about the Enneagram in IFS terms where we try to get to know that part. We try to befriend it and we try to help that part of us achieve the strategy, the role that God, the best role, the fruit bearing role that God wants for that particular part. And sometimes I think about the fruit of the spirit. Like I think about for ones, it's goodness, right? That's a fruit of the spirit. And so when that part is whole and in connection with the spirit led self, it's, it's showing up in its healthiest form. And that's what we'll be doing next week on the episode is we're going to really break this all down and nuance it a little bit more so that you guys can see not only the 
less healthy, the more misaligned strategies, the manager strategies, but also the good, glorious parts of this as well. So we really want you to tune into that um, episode to really give you this vision of how God has created you to glorify Him and to bless others and to enjoy all that He has created you to be. Great. So the the last part that we want to talk about, the last manager, or I'm sorry, not manager, but protector we want to talk about is the firefighter. Define for us again, what is the firefighter? And then what does it look like for some of the types? And so the firefighter is the part of us that kicks in to extinguish the flames of pain. And it can look like a lot of different things. It can look like overeating, oversleeping, substance abuse, addiction, any kind of addiction. Um, it can look like binge watching television, over shopping, lashing out at others um, can be a real firefighter. It's that release of energy that feels so good in the moment and then just creates destruction. Firefighters are especially for Christians are that category we can go, those are all bad. And where IFS says, well, wait a minute, they're cues that there's pain, something hard or stressful or vulnerable has happened. And it's an impulse. They tend to be impulsive. They tend to be the impulsive sides of us is grasping for something to, to put some, some balm on that pain. And oftentimes, again, the strategies aren't helpful and can lead to destruction. And so what we want to do is get, get to know those parts of us, learn, notice the cues, notice, oh, I'm having that impulse to reach for something, you know, whatever it is. Let's slow it down a second. Let's bring that part of me into connection with the spirit-led self, the the, the Holy Spirit that lives within. And let's redirect that toward something that's actually going to give me life, that's going to help soothe the pain in a helpful, meaningful way versus numb it. That is so helpful because it so much of my Christian experience was to avoid certain behaviors. And so it was more focused on stopping the overeating, Mm -hmm. but it was never what got you to the place where you felt the need to overeat that was going to satisfy or resolve something that's going on in your soul. Um, And so what, what this has done is to help, okay, I can extend forgiveness whenever I do act out. I can also extend compassion to this part of me that needed something that for some reason in my story, I've chalked up as I go to this place whenever I experience that emotion or have that physiological something happen inside of me that I can extend compassion to like, okay, well, why was it that it, what led to that point during the day whenever I decided I needed to act out? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. And then all of a sudden, now under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, I become more self-aware that earlier in the day, I'm much more aware of what's happening in my heart Mm -hmm. so that I'm not even that far down the road later in the day to act out. That's right. You know, when I do a lot of my training, I'm talking about that rumble strip on the highway. When you're driving down the highway and you get distracted, fall asleep at the wheel, and you're veering off course, we love that rumble strip that will wake us up and alert us that we're about ready to fall into that same common pitfall that we do time and time again. And that's what we're talking about here is to be aware, to to understand that we're getting off track. That's right. We we what I love about what you're saying is we don't change in the context of criticism and beating ourselves up. We change in the context of compassion. So as we notice, I love the the metaphor you're using as we notice the, the cues 
instead of beating ourselves up or trying to beat that part of us away, we say, oh, a part of me is hurting and needs my compassion. And that's when we actually start, that's the road toward healing and changing. But this also reminds me of our mission statement, that we are here to help people to understand themselves with astonishing clarity so they can break free from self-condemnation, fear, and shame by knowing and experiencing the unconditional love, forgiveness, and freedom in Christ. That's what it's about. We're not here so that you can just know the parts of yourself and either beat yourself up or just be better, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Christ's life, death, and resurrection has secured for us a place with Him, and we have great love with Him. And once we recognize that and come back to Him as our safe place, as our Savior, as our leader, and know how we are His beloved child, and we have this secure place in Him, no matter what type we are, we can live out our true self in reflecting Christ more. Okay. Now, the one thing about firefighters and some of the behaviors that you had mentioned earlier, um, some may ask the question, well, are there some types that are prone to certain types of behaviors or addictions? And we three, at least in our brainstorming, have kind of come to this as a reality that there's no one specific addiction or pattern that's tied to type. So any type might overeat. But the reason why they're at that place, the reason why that firefighter shows up is different according to type. That's right. So I approach my overeating as a six. Yeah. A seven might approach it differently. A one would approach it differently. Or for different, the different reasons. That's, That's you right. Know. For the different and, reasons. you know, one might um, overeat, one might undereat, you know, so That's right. all of these all of these things can take place for all the types. Um, but again, why they're doing it. That's why the Enneagram is so helpful. Yeah. It's explaining with clarity why, what is the core motivations that are going on. And it kind of gets at that core exile that we were kind of talking about where the one is feeling I am bad. And so they're going to grab the bottle or whatever. The, you know, the not eight might be feeling I, I, I'm vulnerable and I can't face that. So I'm going to grab the bottle, right? That's kind of what you're saying. It's, it's all back mm-hmm. to that exile, right? That, that, that's a little bit different for everybody, but might lead to that. And then the remedy is, again, not to make that part go away. We want to change the strategy of that part, right. of that firefighting part. And so we want to go, okay, I'm noticing that I want to reach for the bottle. I see that, how can I take a deep breath, connect to myself, connect to Christ, and make different choices to soothe mm-hmm. that pain in a healthy way. So we're bringing in the world of the Enneagram, the world of IFS. And one of the distinct things that uh, your Enneagram coach does is that we make things gospel centered. And as you mentioned earlier, is that what we're, maturity looks like this self, this spirit filled self to show up. How is it that, Using both IFS and the Enneagram, how is it, can it be integral to our life with the Spirit of God to help to lead and direct us in this pursuit? Yeah, so I, this is to me exactly where faith and psychology meet. And it's what you guys are doing so beautifully and what I studied for so many years. So, so just one practical way is I, I do this as a spiritual practice every morning. Every morning I sit with God and I sit with the different parts of me. Like, man, God, there's my three part. There's my two part. There's the part of me that wants to just go check out today that goes to nine, you know, 
And here they are, Lord, you know, kind of, I just kind of give voice to them, whether in a journal or through prayer. I invite God to be with me with them. He knows they're there. I know they're there. And then again, it gets into this parenting. And then we're, I'm in partnership with, with God. I'm in partnership with the Holy Spirit, looking at these parts of me with compassion, with empathy, with connection, with delight, which because our God delights in us, even when we're showing up in ragged, rough edges, right? And I, it, and it, there's just so much freedom in that. There's so much, this is to me what freedom in Christ is. It's like, here I am. Here are these different parts of me. Deep breaths. Okay, let's look at the day and let's invite God into all of this. And it just changes you from the inside out as you practice this as a spiritual practice. And what's great is it puts us right in that spot of needing to be, to surrender and depend on the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. So one of the passages that comes to mind uh, in my own practice, similar to you, Allison, that's uh, what a lot of, I call it my Renaissance time in the morning, but the principle comes from Psalm 139, verse 23. David prays out, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So the the great thing about this is that this is not just setting aside time to think about yourself, but this is one setting aside intentional time to um, remove yourself from all the different stimuluses of the day uh, to focus on what's happening in your relationship with God and your relationship with yourself. And so David recognizing, I don't fully understand what's happening inside me. So God, search me. That's right. I mean, that is an intimate prayer of God. You know me, you made me, help me, help me to understand. And then there's a sense of like, and see if there be any grievous way in me. Like what, what parts in me are activated? Where am I experiencing right. anxiety? What what type of pa- unhealthy patterns am I inclined to act out on, like a firefighter or a manager in my relationship with Beth or my relationship with kids or doing a podcast that day? And then we're also asking the Spirit to lead us in the way everlasting. What does it look like for us to live in line with the truth of the gospel? Yeah where we are leading our parts yeah. at their healthiest yeah. versus allowing them to lit, to lead us at their extreme. Yes. And so this actually becomes a very profound process for us to connect with God that it's about becoming who he intended for us to be. Yeah. These are just helpful paradigms to help us understand yeah, ourselves. We're, we're not wanting to become our best selves, like in quotation marks. We're wanting to become like Christ. Yeah. In the way he created us and the way he designed right. us, the way we were are bent. You know, as us parents, we're we're wanting to raise them in the way they should go, the bent they have. Well, same with us. Like God created me as a nine to reflect him in some very beautiful ways. But we're on the side of the fall. And so I can derail, I can fall yeah. off the track. Um, and this is so helpful for me to recognize when that's happening, to give 
understanding, to give grace, to ask for forgiveness, to ask for help um, and mercy, and to even even bring my family and friends along to ask them to help and support me as well. It's it's the opposite. I love what you're saying. It's the opposite of selfishness because when we're in conflict with ourselves and we're all caught up in these internal wars, we're actually very self-focused. Mm-hmm. Right. That, yes. That's actually being self-focused. But when we're able, when we go, grow in self-awareness before God, we have more capacity to pour out in healthy ways. And I love what you're saying. You know, this idea of becoming our best self that feels very managerial to me in many ways. Right. It's like, let me put on more of this best self. Right. <laughs> I got to do that. Right. We're, versus what we're doing is really the gospel where it says in our weaknesses, Christ's power is made mm. strong. And it's so often for me in those mornings, it's where I get to that exile and go, really? Mm. I'm just terrified or really this. And that's where Christ's power is made perfect. Absolutely. Not in Absolutely. shining up the managers, you know, that I, yes. you know, I'm going to go hit the day. You know, it's like, oh, yes. actually it's connecting with, and that makes me mm. a better wife. And that makes me a better parent. And that makes me a better friend when I'm in touch yes. with that exiled part of myself, that vulnerable part of myself. So just to remind everyone, um, Allison Cook, Dr. Allison Cook, in her book, Boundaries for Your Soul, I did want to ask one last question about your book. What have you heard from people, readers of your book, to be the most helpful from your book? That's a great question. I think just the language, first of all, this idea of what we're talking about, that these parts aren't bad, Yeah. that this idea of extending compassion towards the parts of ourselves, even the ones we don't like, even the ones that scare us, even the ones that are leading us is the way toward growth and change is pretty upside down. We talk about how Jesus says, love your enemies. What Mm. if some of that, what if we were applied that inward and said, start to extend compassion toward the enemies inside your own soul and see how love might change that part of you. So that's been probably the biggest transformative message for folks is, oh, these these emotions, these parts of me that act out aren't my enemies. They need my love and care and um, attention with God's help. That's fantastic. Well, uh, Dr. Cook, thank you so much. This super, super helpful. Matter of fact, I mean, I, I am so pleased with uh, the amount of information we're able to cover. Uh, We're going to actually, the next episode, we're going to be walking the wheel for nine types. And we're going to talk about each of the numbers associated with each main type, how they might serve as managers, and but also how they're a gift for each type. Um, And then we're actually going to add an additional episode where we're going to give you uh, basically an exercise that you can do to attune yourself to what's happening internally, uh, like we talked about with Psalm 139, to help you understand what you can do on a daily basis to shepherd, to tend to, to pastor, to, to lead, to coach, <laughs> whatever you um, want to call it, your interior world so that you can break free from self-condemnation and shame in order to come alive to all that God is for us in the person and work of Christ. So uh, Dr. Cook, thank you so much for your time today. I love this you guys. Fantastic. You guys are awesome. This has been great.